0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the After Hours Lounge. Welcome back, if you are a regular listener, which I hope most of you are. Uh, My name is Sandy. I am your host. Uh, I'm really, really pleased about this one. Uh, I've been following this guy for quite a while. Obviously, those listening uh, will know I'm I'm very into my water sports, you know, the windsurfing, surfing, surfing, all that sort of stuff. So uh, I've been been following this guy for a while, and oddly, it only dawned on me a few weeks ago. I was like, fuck, this guy would actually be really cool to get on the podcast. Um, So, proud to introduce none other than... uh, I think of no other word to call you than the Viking, uh, but yeah, <laughs> red red bull athlete, uh, multiple paddleboarding world champion, uh, and just adventure junkie is the best word I think. Casper uh, Steinfath, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Sandy. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure, mate. As I said, as we said just before I hit record, you know, we were like, I sort of reeled it off, and we were like, oh, actually, there's there's quite a lot to talk about here, isn't there? Because it's it's a funny one for you, I guess, like. Or any time you talk about, you know, surfers or professional athletes that are in water sports, you always kind of go, oh, they're Hawaiian then or Australian or, or yeah, something man. like this. You know, it's I guess for you, you know, you're, you're Danish, you're from Denmark. So it's but oddly enough, once you get into the water sports or industry kind of like that, you figure out that these kind of countries actually have a lot of that going on, don't they?
1: Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you, you don't have to live in in Hawaii with palm trees to actually go out on the water and, and have fun. Um, evidently, you know, you're seeing, at least for myself, growing up in Denmark, coming from the cold waters of Scandinavia, as I call yeah. it, um, you know, that, that I grew up here and that was my playground. And, yeah. you know, I, I didn't have like, I didn't think that I needed to be in Hawaii to have fun uh, on the water. So uh, it, it's, it's interesting, like how, you know, I think in general, the perspective on being outside and playing even on the Northern latitudes, it's it's not that big of a problem after all
0: yeah i wonder i mean we'll, we'll get into it later and stuff but i do wonder whether that's you know gear getting better or just more people taking a, an interest in in kind of all these different sports you know as as things have become more readily available but kind of t- take us back to the beginning casper i mean um you know those there are there may be some listening who who aren't so sort of sure who you are i mean give us a little sort of thing of of, of who you are and uh, and what you do Ah, oh, man,
1: this is all always the hard part. Yeah, I um, know. It's probably good but, yeah. um, Take as long but as no, you like. <laughs> you know, I guess the, the way to sum it up is, uh, I mean, my, my name is Casper, and I'm, I'm 27 years old, and I'm I, I'm born and raised in Denmark, where um, I grew up as a kid on the west coast of Jutland, which is the, the most western most part of the country um, yeah. by the North Sea. And I grew up in this uh, small fishing, old fishing village, um, I'm not. I'm not uh, like third or fourth generation. Uh, my my dad is from California and my mother is from Denmark. <laughs> so like living on the west coast of Denmark was actually kind of a compromise between California and you know East Coast Denmark. So it was. My dad is a surfer and obviously you know the ocean and the waves uh, meant a lot to him and my mother as well. Uh, so we so you know we they moved there and raised my brother and my brother Peter and I. Um, and you know, that was, that was back in the rough days, uh, when, you know, surfing and and playing in the water was not necessarily accepted in the old fishing culture. Um, so I mean, basically what do I do? I'm a professional uh, water sports athlete. I'm a a six time stand-up paddle race world champion. And, uh, I am completely obsessed with, uh, adventures on the water in, in all forms and on all kinds of different crafts. So, uh. I guess you can call me uh, a ocean addict, a waterman. man. <laughs> So, so yeah that, that's a more formal way of saying yeah
0: it. <laughs> I always find I, yeah I mean it'd be interesting to get it from you who you you know you're actually a waterman but me and my friends have always found that you know that term a bit cringy you know people are like yeah I'm a waterman do you know what yeah. I mean and you're like it's a bit yeah, Laird yeah, yeah. Hamilton isn't it you know
1: <laughs> it, it, it's been abused <laughs> but yeah definitely no no, 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 no <laughs> the, the, the term waterman is great uh, yeah. I really aspire to it and then, like find huge inspiration in being able to see oneself on the water in all types of conditions and all types of watercrafts uh but but you know when when people start saying hey i'm a waterman yeah it, it loses part of its uh its appeal
0: yeah exactly it's it's always a it's always a difficult one but yeah that, i mean that's that's something i guess i guess for you i mean you will kind of start at the beginning i guess but you 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 literally do embody that. You know every if you look at your Instagram and stuff, every post you're you're on something different. Whether you're just race, you know, paddleboarding like long distances, or you're surf foiling, or you're just you know traditional surfing, or you're sup foiling, sup surfing. Like you're you're always you know kiting as well. You know you're you're always kind of doing doing something different. And I mean, there's only a couple of you know real proper kind of athletes that that really or, you know in terms of extreme sports water sports that actually do that you know like i guess mm-hmm. kailani's the the kind of main one isn't he um yeah did you did you find that i mean i guess paddleboarding was the first one for you that that kind of got you into it. as you say you're you know six times world champion or, yeah. or was it just sort of traditional surfing and it, then it, and then paddleboarding came along
1: well it was actually just traditional surfing um mm-hmm because my, my my dad being you know a, a beach bum from california uh yeah. you know it was just it was essentially like just playing in the water at first like you know body surfing and boogie boarding and then as i was uh as i was a, a kid uh i started surfing as well um and that was kind of the gateway for me just you know playing in the waves and i was actually I, mean, it was, I was actually, what, what do you call it, water phobic when I was a kid. like yeah. I, I was terrified of water That's um, mm-hmm. until I was around like eight years old. Um, like, you know, you know how your parents kind of drag you into stuff when you're a kid and like, hey, you got to come to the beach today. That was kind of, you know, I did it because my parents did it, but I wasn't really stoked on it. But when my friends, when some of my friends started surfing when I was around 10 years old, that's when everything just like, you know, accelerated. Um, and you know how young kids can kind of push each other, and, and yeah. I got really into com- I got into competitive uh, shortboarding uh, for a while, and that was kind of uh, you know what got me me in like it just took me like full in like I was in over my head before I could look around, and and then and then came stand up paddling when I was a teenager.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, that's really weird actually because I was I was exactly the same I was super scared of water like I remember. I don't, I don't remember really being pushed into it either my my parent my dad's a really keen diver but he, he never tried to get us into anything but I was really anti-water and then I kind of suddenly went from that to competing in swimming when I was a kid when I was like 11 12 and then obviously now I've you know windsurf years so it's yeah. quite interesting why you seem to go one way and then completely the but as you said like you as soon as you get that pressure from your mates you get a group of boys or you know friends together and you're like well I did this and I did this you know it That
1: that pushes it. Yeah, exactly. Especially the camaraderie uh, was one thing, but also you know you also like you you know of course that you know surfing in these latitudes of northern Europe as a kid especially you know a a skinny kid uh, doesn't stay warm very easy. So it was also you know it's not not necessarily pleasant to be on the beach or in the water if you don't feel you really are engaged uh, in the activity. So so yeah, that was that was you know it just kind of slowly took off and and then you know all of a sudden it went really quick with with stand-up paddling but uh but that was kind of like a whole new dimension th- that opened up for me at least
0: yeah so let's I mean let's get into that I mean those, those listening uh will know I mean I've talked about you know me windsurfing a lot and obviously you know windsurfing you know, kite surfing to a certain extent obviously surfing as well have, have been around for a very very long time um but paddleboarding Whilst, you know, yeah, there's pictures of the Hawaiians doing it for thousands of years or whatever and all this stuff. I don't know. You know, there's a big history, but <laughs> paddleboarding as a as a sport is still kind of fairly new. And then, you know, everyone you talk to is, oh, it's the fastest growing sport in the world. And, you know, last year, last year in the UK after lockdown, apparently there was there was no paddleboards in the UK. You couldn't buy it. You couldn't buy a paddleboard mm. quick enough. I spoke to friends who, who own shops and stuff and they're like,
1: we're sold out. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was the same it was the same in denmark and i think really? all over europe it was just it, it just went haywire last yeah. year uh, so it's it, 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 was, it, was, it was it was exciting like to see the boom you know last year and in recent years but what's interesting with stand up paddling like yeah it's not really that old of a sport um you know it's it's existed as a as an activity f- for thousands of years like it doesn't yeah. take much imagination like okay if you're a kid like oh there's a plank i can stand on hey there's a piece of bamboo um you know, like it's existed as an activity around the world for thousands of years. But then for some reason, like around the, you know, uh, around, you know, the early 2000s, uh, you know, it kind of got it took off some places in the U.S. And then slowly, you know, people started realizing like, whoa, there's actually potential for at least some of us in the early days. We saw it as a potential like, wow, this might one day be like the bicycle of the ocean. Yeah, I guess that's, that's a good way to say. put it. In. So how did you,
0: was, was there a concerted effort between, I mean, you know, whether it was yourself or or your family or anything like that, like, did you notice this sport? And were you like, this is my way to make a career and become a professional athlete and be sponsored by Red and all this stuff. Like how how did that all happen?
1: No fucking way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, it started as a joke, really. Um, (laughs) It was a huge joke. I got, look, you got to look at it. Like around 2006, I was like, 13 years old. Um, right. I was super into like progressive surfing, like on a shortboard. Yeah. And uh I was introduced to stand-up piling the first time on the island of Madeira down in Portugal, mm-hmm. where um I, we my family goes there every winter, and like you know, there's some great waves, and, and you know, it's just kind of that's where all my focus was. Yeah. And uh we're on this trip, and my my uncle from California he's he came over and he was uh he was one of the early guys in california that was in on this whole stand-up paddling thing and and i remember he brought this red board home like it was this really classic longboard shape uh, but it was so big that and you know he was paddling around on it yeah and on one of the days where the waves were you know no waves it was flat and and we were kind of bored you know bored surfers got to do something um Mm -hmm. and my uncle just starts paddling around down on the beach like he puts on his shorts and his hawaiian shirt you know puts a cigar in his mouth lights it up puts some sunglasses on straw hat and he's just paddling around looking like the biggest idiot i've (laughs) ever seen like that looks so stupid in my opinion yeah yeah but 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 then you know we play around and i end up trying it and i was you know I was shocked like wow this is actually a really cool motion of of, it's a challenge to stand on this board first of all but yeah like wow I can actually see things from up here and I can paddle over you know along the coastline so as much as I was laughing the first five minutes uh, it it hit me like a virus right there I was just uh, we brought the board home to Denmark and like you know then the that, you know i just got so engaged in and you know paddling around when the waves were small or the waves were not there uh it was like a, a whole new way to be on the water and like it was just you know more like fucking around i was yeah, not yeah, yeah. thinking like i was not thinking like hey i'm gonna be an elite uh race athlete <laughs> um, th- th- there wasn't even any th- there was no contests, no circuit back then it was just, yeah yeah you know, it was the wild west yeah
0: that's funny like i think that, that is the way, and unfortunately, I guess, you know, it is kind of still the way that a lot of um, athletes within surfing or whatever probably look at paddleboarding of like, oh, you know, it's just a joke and and all this stuff. But I guess like like every sport, you can just take it to its absolute extreme. But the beauty of paddleboarding, as you yeah. said, is like anyone, you can give it give it to your uncle, you can give it to your, you know, your, your mum, you can give it to your grandparents and they can go and, you know, even if they just kneel on it and they're like, oh, this is, this is quite quite a nice thing to do. And I think that's why it's grown so much because everybody can do it. But mm. at, at what point, so obviously, you know, you're you're messing around and, and you're doing all this, like you, you're still, you're still quite young, but obviously, you know, you're starting to become a teenager. You're starting to think of what you're going to do with your life and stuff. I mean, how, how did paddleboarding tie into that? Like at what point were they like, Oh, this guy's really good. He's onto something and you know, he's paddling quite fast. Yeah. Obviously, that's what you said. You, you got into the racing side of it.
1: So how, yeah, yeah. how did that all happen um well at first i was just paddling around you know for fun to you know catch small waves and stay in shape essentially for yes. when the waves came back um but but i was also i think it's important to look at um when i started stand-up paddling was like around i was 14 15 years old which is a point in a kid's life where you start or for me at least that was when i really started um looking for my own identity Yeah, Like, you know, trying to find out who am I even like, I'm not just this kid that does what people tell him to, like, I'm starting to have my own uh, desires and like things, dreams that I want to accomplish. And, 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 you know, um, I think I started in high school and and I I realized like, I'm actually this, I feel pretty good on this board. And and then I saw what really kicked it off was I saw this ad uh, online for this SUP World Cup happening down in germany in hamburg in i think this was 2009 and um you know i was kind of just curious because i've I'd just been paddling you know with a few of my friends at home and my dad but it was essentially an echo chamber like i don't know what like other people are doing around the world so i was just hungry to go down to hamburg and you know see what the fuss was all about mm. so so we go down there. I, 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 I talked my dad into going, driving me down there, um, because it was Yever, which is this German beer company that was sponsoring the event. Yeah, and he yeah. I figured like, oh, at, at least, at least there'll be some beers around. <laughs> um, it's a good. So good I get idea. down. It's always a, <laughs> that's the trick with with your dad. Yeah. Um, but, but we get down there and, and you know it's it's a big world cup and a bunch of the at the early pros at the time were down there and um i signed up for the the amateur division of those these racing disciplines and signed up for the amateur division and uh it's, it's a long story but long story short essentially um i ended up borrowing i ended up accidentally borrowing uh robbie nash's board because uh there was this guy called robbie nash who I'm not really a windsurfer and I had no freaking clue who Robbie is, but Robbie is like the greatest of all, all time. Yeah. yeah, In the the windsurfing world. Yeah. He was early. He was in on the sup thing and ended up like borrowing his board for the amateur final, um, by accident. Uh, I was, I was on the start line on another board and then my dad came running down like, Hey, try this board. Uh, and then I, and I ended up actually doing pretty well and, and found out that wow, this endurance thing, that I, I really like it. I, I I was naturally good at it, which you know accelerated my desire to keep yeah, yeah. it. So that that was kind of how it kicked off. And like Robbie, I met Robbie and he remembered me and we kind of have had a relation uh as to, you know, my mentor since then. Um yeah. and, and that was kind of like I just realized like wow, stand-up paddling is actually there's a lot of cool people involved in it yeah um from all over the world and that just gave me you know like it just sent me to the moon full of uh full of motivation uh to do more of this yeah that was kind of 2009 and that was that's 12 years ago now yeah it's crazy isn't it yeah
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, it's true, isn't it? You, you always, you're always going to enjoy what you're good at. So I guess you get that, you get that sense of it. But as you said, like people from all these other water sports industries, like cool people, like, you know, Robbie Nash and Mm. and, and all these other guys are suddenly coming in and they're like, yeah, we're we're making paddle boards and we're, we're getting into this, like, you know, something to do when there's no wind and no waves, you know? So they come in and it, it does, I guess it kind of created this melting, melting pot of kind of like, this is, this is what's happening right now. So if you can, you know, again, And I mean, it must, it must have worked. You're still sponsored by Nash today, aren't you? So it's, you know, that's a long relationship, yeah. I
1: guess that you've, you've it's, had. It, it's the longest relationship <laughs> I've had, <in> my <laughs> life. but um, it's uh, no, no, it's, it's true that. Um, yeah. Like that, that was like the golden days in a sense, when I look back at it, cause there was just so much vibrating energy. Like it was, Like everyone was excited about stand-up paddling, you know all the old windsurf uh, manufacturers, Nash and Starboard and Fanatic, and you know all those brands were like they were the first big ones, and you know you don't see them as much anymore necessarily because they're not the ones dominating the market. Yeah, but they were the ones that just like saw this wave of accessibility to water just about to take off, and that you know people from all. Different types of sports were getting involved with, with uh, stand-up paddling. And it was just, there was a bunch of weird characters involved. And, and there's just, like, I look back at it now as, you know, no one knew where it was going at the time. Yeah. The board designs were all over the place. Uh, there was no, like, uh, there was no common consensus about what was the fastest type of board. So it was, um, yeah, it was like uh, being just, we were, we were witness to a whole new sport being born, essentially.
0: Yeah. And that's, and then what was, you're, you're in such a unique position, I think, because it's not, as we said before, I record like there's, you it's, you know, I've talked to a few pro athletes before and all this stuff, but you were a pro athlete at the start of a sport becoming a professional sport as well. So like you said, it was this tidal wave of, of kind of all these, you know, people and, and things coming together. I mean, what was that like for you being at the front of that tidal wave? Obviously, you know, and now, now you, you know, since then you're obviously six times world champion and stuff, but what was, what was that like, especially, cause obviously you were pretty young at the time as well. Mm. I mean, were you, were you kind of like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know. Or were you like, you know, cause you're young, you're like, Oh, fuck it. This is pretty fun, isn't it? And then, you know, you might yeah. want a bit of, bit of prize money or a, they send you some free boards or whatever. You're like, Oh, this is cool. You know?
1: Yeah, well, I, I was just stoked that there was there was free Red Bull in the in the, in the athlete area. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no
1: I, but, but like, I when I look back at it now, I, I view it as I view it differently. But I think when I was in the moment in those early years, um, I wasn't like expecting to become a world champion. I wasn't like expecting to make a career off it. It was more, and I think that was actually the very. It was a general consensus among not just me, but, but all the people involved back then, it was just more of a, people had achieved thing, other places outside of paddling. And it was just more like out of pure interest of like, wow, this is fun. And uh, I, I definitely had the mindset in those early years of, um, I want to go race every single weekend all year long. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) dad, you're going to drive me, (laughs) Um, but like, like I was not, you know, it's not, re- yes, there was performance in it, but it was more of like you know, a party. Like every single uh, weekend, you know, we would all race really hard, but we would also all be drinking beers together and having <laughs> dinner uh, after the race, which is unheard of if you're actually talking to like serious athletes. And like, you know, the sport is even stand up paddle racing is different today than it yeah. was 10 years ago. Like now people are serious. <laughs> Back then it was, well, we'll paddle as fast as we can and then we'll have a beer at the end.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. It, well, that's, yeah, again, that was, you know, one of the real reasons I wanted to to get you you on the podcast is is to talk about that like mindset and determination that you seem to have of your like, you seem to just see something and we'll get on to Skagorak later because that's kind of the, well, may, maybe you'll be able to say, but, you know, looking on the outside, that's potentially one of the biggest things you've done. Um, but that determination you have, you say, did you have that from the start, or did you get that after you started becoming successful? If you know, it? you know, say you you when you're yeah. campaigning for the first world title, and then you then you go on, was that determination mm. kind of always there, or did it grow as as your ability grew? If you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, I I think it's safe to say that the determination was was actually there even before stand up paddling. Like I've always been very, um, I don't know how to this, how to describe it, but I've always been very a uh, goal oriented, I've always wanted to push myself like yeah. I was in I was into athletics and track and field uh, before you know, while while surfing as well. Yeah. And and like I, I genuinely just enjoy, you know, the challenge of see, seeing if I can beat somebody or I can beat my own record or I can can I climb this mountain, so to say. Um, yeah. And, and when stand up paddling came in, like obviously I had a lot of fun meeting new people and going new places but it didn't take long for me to to refine that motivation of hey i actually want to see like i'm not just running just to run I'm 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 in this to like see how well i can do um and you know i was there was a i think for the first few years in stand-up paddling i was you know obviously balancing it between surfing and school and other things but when i when i finished high school and it's the same way I am when I in in the academic world in school. Like I love learning. I really love um, improving my skills and mm-hmm. my advancing my knowledge. Uh, it's like I I can't do a test. Uh, I can't do a paper in school just to get a B. Like I really want to get it. <laughs> go yeah. for the premiere at the A. Yeah. yeah. So when when I finished school, I kind of had that mindset after high school that hey, I want to give this a proper shot. And and that determination uh, definitely just went to the next level there. Like like I that was when I started chasing world titles and um, and like not just showing up to a race to have fun, but also there with um you know a, a, a game plan and and yeah. you know, ready to go to war. So to say.
0: Yeah, that's where the that's where the Viking came from. Then I guess.
1: The, yeah, the the Viking. <laughs> the Viking. I don't know. <laughs> the <laughs> Viking kind of well it was not it was not myself that introduced that symbol um okay it was i was um how do i say this like in the early days of stand-up paddling like the people that were dominating the sport were hawaiians yeah it's um, like you know the yeah well the first generation was like ikulu kalama um dave kalama and a bunch oh, of yeah. like those real hardcore hawaiians lock eggers and there, there were some really classic characters and then you know my generation came about like Connor Baxter, Kailani, yes. Cody Kureboks, Zane Schweitzer, um, and the list goes on. There's so much Hawaiian talent, and it was fun because like we were all the same age, and like once we started doing the the world tour events, uh, I started meeting Kai Lenny and all these other people, and and you know we we had the same interest and we clicked very well, and you know we went on these adventures together, which competitions and surfing was. And I guess I got the nickname the Viking because every time we were on the start line in Europe, especially, and it was freezing cold, you know, like raining and windy and all the Hawaiians just looked so miserable. Like I remember looking at Cody Kerbox and he was, I could just see his face red. I don't want to be here. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and for me it was like, yeah, well it's raining a bit and it's windy, but so that's like five out of seven days a week. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, so I guess that's why they nicknamed me uh, the, Viking. the Viking.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess you you are kind of the you're the token European, I, I suppose, as well to start with. So they're like, well, just yeah. It's it's quite a, it's quite an obvious name to be honest, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I bet yeah. I,
0: you might you like I can tell by look on your face you, you hate it or you hate it a little bit. No. But...
1: no well, I I <laughs> no actually I, I've embraced it. Um, yeah. I Probably I probably wouldn't have done it uh, by yourself. myself. Yeah. Um, but but I I, I genuinely uh, identify with, you know, a lot of the values of the Vikings. Like I, I do feel I'm ferocious when I go into battle. Yeah. Um, but I also really admire their, you know, their determination. Uh, yeah. like if you want to sail across big oceans, you better have some, some guts to do that. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, the, their abilities, the Vikings abilities as, as navigators, uh, to make it all these incredible places. Um, I really admire that and that's you know part of the viking saga that we'll touch on later i guess
0: yeah well yeah exactly yeah that rings pretty true given
1: uh
0: yeah everything you've done since um but as well going back to that kind of mindset and and you know with the other athletes and things like that you say you had this determination from the start and did that end up turning into competitiveness against the other athletes or was it always like no i'm doing this for myself and to better myself rather than i just want to beat the other guy i know that that might be a silly question and it might be the one on the same thing but do you you think that changed eventually and you were like no i just got to beat him or were you still very much like because obviously it's it's not a team sport is it you know you're very much it's just all on you
1: no i i think it's a hard one to answer for me because like I I don't. I mean, this is also very personal for me because I don't necessarily um see my like I, I'm not I'm not a traditional athlete. I mm-hmm. guess that's safe to say. Like my mentality is not necessarily to always um be perfect or uh, you know I, I don't operate under the parameters of of you know I, that I can can control everything. Yeah. I guess when what really drove me was. I mean, partly there was a desire to obviously create an identity for myself. And I certainly enjoy being people recognizing Mm -hmm. me as, you know, a successful athlete or, you know, like having done incredible feats. But I think I was kind of on a mission as well, because since the sport in those early days was, was so dominated by, you know, Hawaiians and Australians, essentially. I want to show that Denmark can be up there (laughs) as well. Like there was, there was kind of a, you know, a desire for me to prove that I I can be up there in the big leagues with the big boys as well. Um, so there was a, there was something I felt I had to prove, but you know, then obviously I think what, how do you say, like there's external and there's internal motivation. And like, I I was definitely motivated by the external of like, you know, sponsorships and being able to like, to receive uh, credit for winning and being on the podium. Yeah. But I think my biggest inspiration and motivation was actually the process itself of like, yeah. you know, when you go into a race well-prepared, you know, aiming to win, but just prepared to deal with this amount of chaos I have to go through, like, you know, stand up paddle racing is not, you know, it's at least in those days, it was not just the strongest guy that won. It was also, you know, who can paddle, like, because we were racing so much in waves, um, yeah you know, who can navigate the waves like when when 10 people hit the buoy at the same time it's 100 navigating chaos and uh, like i really enjoyed the process of the races themselves mm-hmm. um and, and you know it was just i think that's kind of what what drove me for for many years was to prepare myself for those really awesome situations that that arise inside the race yeah uh, it was not necessarily like yeah getting on the podium was was great but that was not it was not always the the main reason yeah
0: I guess that's one of the things that made you so successful because rather than I I mean I've never been a necessarily an athlete um, in terms of competing with with other people and things but you and I'm not an inherently competitive person whatsoever but I guess what you did is rather than focusing on what the other guys are doing Mm. you've kind of you know you've kind of gone right, um, you're thinking strategically rather than competitively. So you're like, actually, I'm going to sit and do this. And especially as well, it's something we'll we'll get on, again, we'll get get onto, but you kind of talking about things that are out of your control and just the nature of your sport, so many things are out of your Mm. control. You're at the mercy of, you know, especially events like you know, I mean, well, ju- just quickly, there's a there's an event called Red Bull Heavy Water, isn't there, out in California. And it's basically sup racing in outrageous conditions, like huge like waves and things that surfers, wind surfers wouldn't go out in and they make you paddleboard racing. But something something like that.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. You know, it, it's essentially <laughs> you, you mix you mix big wave surfing with stand up paddle racing and you have Red Bull Heavy Water, <laughs> which is you it's know, so obviously sick, the craziest. It's the craziest race um, physically and mentally because you're pushing yourself physically to the limit. Plus, at the same time, not everyone will admit it, but we're pretty, we're, we're scared shitless out there. Yeah. Of, <laughs> uh, you know, trying to navigate five, six meter waves, um, just, you know, trying to crush us. Um, so, that, yeah, that's, uh, I can certainly say that I prefer those types of races that involve chaos i mean chaos is just the word i use but but essentially it means there's many factors outside of my control um it's outside of anyone's control really but i enjoy it because it really mixes up the playing field and it's not necessarily just the strongest guy that wins but the person that's able to um you know adapt like you can go out the, the the saying about heavy water is that you can show up to the race with 10 tactics 10 tactics to get yourself through it yeah, and win. But once you get into the waves there, you might as well just take those 10 tactics, throw them out the window into the garbage because yeah. you have to react to what's exactly in front of you. And, and it's just something that's like how the specific water uh, is moving along the beach. Um, you have to react. And I really enjoy that type of stuff.
0: Do you think then in terms of your obviously, you know, your physical preparation is all, you know, we don't, don't necessarily need to get into that, you know, too much. It's, you know, um, but the, the the mental preparation, a lot of it, and then do you think to a certain extent you kind of wing it in a certain way of like you're like, you know, obviously you're like, I know where the currents are doing, and, and I'm sure you can study charts mm. and things like that. But other than that, mm. are you like, let's just go and see what it kind of looks like on the day, really?
1: Um there, you definitely you have to adapt the mindset of you're gonna see what is in front of you on the day, but like, yeah, yeah, you have to be flexible. But, but that said, like you have to be very serious about training, like, you know, the physical aspect, the regimen, you gotta, I mean, to be able to properly deal with what's in front of you, you have to be prepared. Um, so it's not like you can't, I mean, look in the early days of stand up paddle racing, a bunch (laughs) of the racers were just washed up surfers. So to, to a certain extent, you could easily, you could wing it, um, for a while. Yeah, but then you know, as people started training more and doing their homework, um, then you the had level, isn't it? The, the level went up uh, all across. So, so but but you know, still even today, like you know, when like there's some guys in stand up paddling that you know maybe come with a little bit different mindset than me that you know try to control all the factors. Um, I have huge respect for those type of athletes. I just think I'm becoming more and more aware that. Uh, maybe I'm a different style I prefer a different style of you know um I love those uncontrollable factors that's yeah. what makes it exciting in my opinion
0: well that, yeah exactly that's that's where that that's where the kind of adrenaline junkie kind of side side of you um sort of comes in a little bit so I mean t- talking about that you know um I, as I said you know over the last week since we first spoke about doing this podcast I kind of you know did my homework and and you, you do you know you're very active on on YouTube with your content and all that stuff and um yeah i mean we'll talk about this at the end of, of what what people should be watching you can recommend it and stuff but mm-hmm. you obviously after your world championships in one of the interviews you kind of said you were like oh, i wanted another challenge of doing something different and that led to um that led to to what you did called it's called skagorak which is that is that the name of the the that's not the name of the body of water is it or is that
1: yes, is that, yes it okay. is. okay
0: yeah that's yeah yeah that's what i thought i wasn't sure um so can you go tell tell us what Skagerrak is um and what the what the plan was and then we'll we'll,
1: we'll talk about that what the plan was <laughs> yeah. um well Sk- Skagerrak is uh you know it sounds very viking just it does, yeah. uh, saying it it's it's the body of water between Denmark and Norway yeah and it's uh it's a legendary ocean uh both from the old viking sagas and um you know even for the last thousand years at least you know merchants have sailed across and it's a wild ocean that where the weather is very unpredictable the currents are treacherous uh it's just you know ticks all those boxes of yeah don't fuck with it um <laughs> and you uh, decided to fuck with it I, I, that's kind of what happened yeah <laughs> no um so, so like I, I grew up to get the story correct like i grew up uh in in the with this ocean as it, it's my backyard essentially oh, yeah. I grew up surfing in it and I heard all these stories of, you know, fishermen and other merchants and stuff that went out beyond the horizon. And, and, you know, I didn't really think much about it until stand up paddling came into my life Mm. where I realized like, oh, here's something that's it's like a means of transportation as well. And, you know, that's at the same time I started really enjoying challenging myself. So, you know, the the romantic framing of the story is like, I wanted to try conquering this ocean in my backyard. Um, kind of like it'd be the same as, say, a kid grew up next to a huge mountain. Uh, you look at it every day. And at some point, the the thought is going to cross your mind. Can I make it to the top? And what does it look like on the top? Do I possess the skill set it requires? So no one had attempted to stand up padlet. And that's what uh, I tried to do uh, the 1st of February 2017. Um, cold. It was a little bit cold. It was very <laughs> dark. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, long story short, I kind of jumped into this crossing with um, as a project I did with Red Bull. Um, obviously, it required some safety and logistics. And anyway, I jumped into it, thought like, yeah, it can't be that hard. I've won three world titles at this point And, you know, I, I enjoy challenging myself against Mother Nature. And uh, basically, I set off from Denmark to cross to Norway. Uh, thinking like, yeah, this is going to be epic. Like, make sure to put the champagne uh, in the cooler and uh, we'll celebrate when we get to the other side. Mm. 16, uh, and the ocean of Skagorak is approximately 145 kilometers wide, just for reference. Essentially, 16 hours later, I was, uh, I was like uh, crept down in the bottom of the safety boat uh, in hypothermia, and... Um, you know, fully smashed physically and mentally broken. Yeah, uh, I was I was twelve kilometers from my destination in Norway, oh. and Mother Nature, like like you said, Mother Nature essentially just gave me this huge slap in the face, um, saying that you're not gonna pass today. Yeah, and uh, basically what happened was um, I met I ran into some conditions that were just bigger than me. Uh, I was probably a bit too cocky. Um, and yeah, I was, I could literally, when I, when I could no longer stand on my board because the wind was blowing me the other way, uh, I could see the lighthouse at my destination in Norway, but no matter how much I fought, no matter how hard I tried, I was not going to make progress against this, um, the wind wind and, you know, essentially just this element that was so much more powerful than me.
0: Yeah. And what was, um, (sighs) what was... What was that? You know, as I said, you know, and I, I watched. There's there's a whole documentary on um, on YouTube about this, by the way. Anyone who's listening, I think it, it's just called Skagerak. um Yeah. Red on Red Bull, uh, and it's it's epic. It's like 50 minutes long, but it's, yeah, it's it's well worth um well worth a watch. Um, but yeah, like the the video of you like sitting on the steps on the boat when they in the pitch black, and you literally you 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 look like a broken man. Do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. and i've seen people yeah you you uh, it, it must be do you, you kind of said um and that this is from from an interview i found as well you 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 admitted it and you just said it there like you were like yeah I, w- I was being cocky and stuff i mean did you do any specific training leading up to this or were you like no i'm, I'm already in a kind of peak physical form i'm you know x amount of times world champion mm. I'm, I'm good to mm. go you know were you like i can just do this
1: I mean, on the first attempt, I was, I was definitely relying, I was probably, you know, sheltering myself inside the, the identity in my head that, Hey, I'm, I'm 20, 23 years old. I'm strong. And, you know, it's kind of like, I think it's something that many, especially males uh, feel uh, at that point in their life that they're invincible. Um, And like, it was off season for me. I was, I was actually not training that much. I was in good shape, but you know, not in, I was not in you know physically i was okay but it was more mentally i was not in the right state to do that um it's kind of like and I mean if you could i draw a lot of parallels to the mountains and you know if if you try to climb uh, a a certain route or a mountain without the proper equipment or the proper training or the right equipment um you know you're you're not going to do it. Uh, you're probably going to die. Uh, and, and that's, uh, yeah. When I look back at it now, it's really with a kind of like not very, I'm not very, in one sense, I'm not very proud, but that's how I was back then. That was what the mindset I entered it with. Um, and in one sense I was very devastated about failing because essentially that's what I did. I, I tried and I failed. But when I look at it now, I'm also happy that I tried it um, yeah. because, you know, I, I learned something from it, and yeah. even though like, it's not, it's not glorious or anything mm-hmm. to like, I remember I was on the board and my brother was on the a jet ski next to me, just yelling at me uh, like, dude, we got to stop now it's out of control. And I remember like trying to get back on the mothership, um, which is like, you know, a small coaster. Um, yeah. I felt like I was in the in this uh, what do you call it in the scenes of like deadliest catch you know the crab fishing program in Alaska like oh what am I doing here (laughs) yeah Um, yeah. so it it was it was a very humbling moment I guess Um, you know slap in my face but ultimately it led to something more uh, meaningful in in the long term and um, yeah for that I'm proud
0: yeah. It's really interesting what you said at the start there of like men, especially, you know, we do get to that certain age. And yeah, you're probably right. You know, that, that mid mid around sort of mid twenties and you're, you're starting to really figure out who you are and you're, you're in mm. kind of peak, peak fitness at that time. And you're like, yeah, I can, I can take on anything. I can do, do whatever I want. And you, you don't, you don't want to potentially admit to yourself as well that like, oh, you know, it's, I'm getting a bit older after this and, you know, mm. or, you know, things like, things like that. So, it it must be difficult. And then I think, I think you're completely right. You know, for me, like you, you kind of have to, I think life is about peaks and troughs and to expect it to just go on like that or to just keep going up is, is, is a really foolish thing to do. You know, I think, you've got you've got to accept that things are are going to go down so it's it's actually it's oddly really really symbolic that it kind of happened to you in in this kind of way you
1: know it it was super symbolic and you know it was definitely my my life was just in a you know maybe even exponential uh progression upwards like title after title like yeah life is good new sponsor boom 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 and then like just such a contrast um of of you know Something just that didn't go according to, to how you envisioned it, um, which which I think actually came at a very good time for me um, yeah. to to. But it's it's, it's interesting because like, you, if you dig into like, uh, you know, anthropology and like take a more psychological uh, view on things, it's, it's interesting that, you know, that maybe what made me try to do it, you know, the cockiness that I entered the project with, you know, the naive uh, what do you call it? I was naive in a sense. Mm. Um, about maybe what the actual challenge was, you know, that, you know, that uh, adventure lust and like willingness to take these risks is also, you know, part of what has led us as humans to, to develop as a species and live the lives we live. Like, you know, I just look at the Vikings, like who, who the hell would think getting into this boat and sailing west uh, across this huge ocean, uh, not knowing what's on the other side, how can that seem like a rationally good idea? Yeah. yeah. And and it's, you know, because I, I I did face a lot of criticism for attempting. Um uh in, in Denmark at least, you know, like I it, it made the tabloid news like uh surfer tries to paddle to Norway, fails. Uh you know, and then the people have opinions about like why do why do you do that? And it's so stupid and like do something meaningful with your life. But uh. but that had meaning for me, mm-hmm. and you know, at some sense like I'm not, I don't want to tell people not to try stuff, but also, you know, we do need people that have that, uh, spark to, you know, take a risk, uh, sometimes, but, uh, and essentially that's those, the ones it was like back in the, you know, I don't know, like go back thousands of years, like to tribal cultures. Like if, if someone tries to cross the river, you know, you might find something exciting on the other side of the river that could help the whole tribe. Yeah. You might also get eaten by a bear and yeah. die. Yeah. Um, so essentially like you need a balance of, yeah. People that are, you need the wisdom and you need, yeah, this is just my mind rolling. No, right absolutely. Now, no, but... no, I think, I, I think it's all, yeah, it's
0: all really cool. And I think it's difficult as well because often the people with the most wisdom are the people that have, you know, it, it, you know, in their later years or whatever, you know, the, the village elder or whatever, the, the, yeah, the, person, yeah. the exactly. person with the person with the most wisdom to me, they're often the one that crossed the river. They're the ones that went and did all this mad shit because they're like yeah. because they've got the experiences. The person that sits in the hut knitting and and doing stuff, they're never going to have much wisdom because they've they they can't speak mm. to all these different experiences, you know. And I'm not saying yeah. it's it's difficult, and there's there's definitely a grey yeah, area in between as well, you know. You, we yeah, don't have to all be Elon Musk trying to get to Mars or you trying to yeah. 140 kilometers and stuff, but you know, there's 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 definitely a happy medium, but I think, I think you're completely right. I think we all have that. There is that little bit in us and in some of us, it's much larger than in others,
1: but yeah, uh, it's not, it's not for everyone. Like, you know, you got to look at, it's not either, or, and it's not right or wrong. Exactly. We we are, we are, uh, we are comprised of a bunch of different personalities uh, all around us. And, you know, some people, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's good to have, you know, say for example, the mother that wants to, you know, ensure that her kids live uh, to be, to be adults. So like, it's, you know, without one or the other, um, you have problems, but, uh, it's, uh, it's something I'm learning, uh, as, as I keep questioning what I do, it's, it's exciting to, uh, to understand human dynamics.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess it's, it's so interesting for you as well, because you're, you're just at the complete extreme end of like, of, of being an athlete of, you know, doing these, these challenges or, you know, things like Red Bull heavy water and things like going into these environments that just humans shouldn't be in basically. Um, but what did what was that like? You know, obviously we we talked about the kind of you know intrinsic side of you or the internal side of you of you sort of um, that that first attempt of Skagorak and things, like external. I mean, you, you can talk about this as much or as little as possible. I mean, on top of you not managing to do it and you know obviously feeling shit. What was the fallout like from that? I mean, did you feel a bit awkward and? and kind of stupid. And were you straight away? Like, I'm going to do this again. This is going to happen again. Or were you like, i need to, you know, stop and take a bit of time away and things.
1: Mm, I think, um, you know, obviously internally I was a mess uh, right right afterwards, but I I don't, it didn't cross my mind at first that like, I need revenge. I need redemption. Uh, I was kind of just like, I was probably a little bit disappointed uh, towards, you know, I was disappointed. I felt that I disappointed the people around me, Uh, you know, my, brother and red bull that financed the project and you know all the people that were making a documentary film about it and, yeah. and, and i mean that was probably the funniest part was like 10 minutes after i got onto the rescue boat the the cinematographer peter alstead that directed Skagerrak, um he said like man this is the best thing ever and i'm just <laughs> looking at it and i'm just looking at like what, what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> like I, i'm laying here i can't feel my fingers and like i just failed <laughs> reaching yeah reaching uh, say a dream of mine, but he, you know, he saw it for kind of like the, you know, as a, in a storytelling, like he's looking at the, the challenge of the hero of like, you know, trying to to reach his goal and has to fight the dragon and which Skagorak was essentially my dragon. Yeah. Um, so, so I didn't get it at first, but, but, uh, you know, after a, f- after a couple of weeks of, of reflecting, I realized that from my mistakes, uh, that led to the failure, I could actually, uh, learn a lot. So, yeah. so I, I, I bought this whiteboard, uh, this huge whiteboard and put it on the wall. And, uh, and you see that in the film where I list all the things that went wrong and all the things that went well, Yeah, yeah like there's, there was like one thing that went well and like 10 million things. <laughs> did Um, so, so yeah, but then I, I felt the desire to learn. That was what, um, you know, learn from my mistakes and, and give it another shot. Cause I was I, I'll admit I, I was hooked on trying to do trying trying to redeem myself yeah in some way
0: yeah I think that yeah that's it's so and that was something I was really interested in as well you know kind of and it, it maybe sounds a bit stupid for me to be interested in that side but interested in like what the filmmaker thought and you know obviously you know we've talked a lot about how you were feeling and stuff mm. but at the same time I guess it and, and maybe this is, I I don't want to be a dick to you and, you know, like push you, you know, kick you while you're down and stuff. But you know, like what did Red Bull think of like, oh my God, we've, you know, we have paid for this boat to look after this guy to go across. Mm. And then, you know, he's not managed it. But at the same time, the story, you're right. The story now, and that documentary and everything is like a million times better. If, you, if you'd just yeah. gone on, if you were like, oh, three times world champion, I got this, it's all good. And you jumped on your board yeah. and you paddled straight across, it would be like oh wow that's that's pretty cool look what he did but it wouldn't have it wouldn't have had anywhere near the traction i think and it, no. it would have basically been there would have been no dragon in your story you just, yeah. just you know or you yeah. just you just killed
1: it straight away do you know i, what I, I, guess, mean? I, I guess i guess i agree with you yeah i guess like i i didn't i didn't see that myself because i was so immersed in it but but yeah, yeah that's that's from, from when people looked at it from the outside it, it definitely made the story better. Um, but, but ultimately it was my, I, it was just, it was just my desire to, to, you know, it's kind of like trying to solve a puzzle and you can't solve it. And then like, you really want to solve it. And then that's, I, I, that's when I immersed myself in it for the second attempt. And and that was, I mean, the, the way it went on the second attempt was completely different. Um, I, I stayed, normally I go to Hawaii in the winter. Um, and, and this time I stayed home for, for three months training specifically for, for this project. And I woke up at like 3 AM, uh, every day and like went paddling in the dark, um, you get used to it. And yeah, so, so it was, it was a very, uh, yeah, the second attempt was such a contrast to the first one. And, and I'm, yeah, I still look back, uh, at that period of time as like one of my, for me, what I call like one of my favorite favorite points in my life, um, you know, the the immersion of, of of really having something that motivates you. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: What was um? What remind me? I can what, what was the time difference? how long was it between the first attempt and the second attempt?
1: It was a. It was actually only one year. That was right, that's different. what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it, it it was. You know, I I had time to reflect, and I had time to also you know ask uh, people for help. Um, I had, I asked, you know, for help with navigating and, uh, you know, to understand how the currents worked out there. And I built a training program with my coach for, cause there's a difference between sprinting, uh, like three kilometers or paddling 145 kilometers. Yeah. Um, so there's, was just such a long list of things that, that, was different. And, um, and you know, that just, yeah, it, it made the whole thing magical. Um, yeah so that it actually succeeded uh at the end um it was fuck man i get goosebumps just yeah i bet. thinking of it
0: and then do you obviously as you said you completely change your your kind of training uh, in terms of you know fitness regimen and, and conditioning yourself for for that kind of thing but do you think the the mental training and the actual uh, mindset behind it do you think mm. your your change in mindset has has he- helped with that second attempt and then what you've gone on to do after that do you think yeah you do you think if you if you'd completed the first attempt do you think you you wouldn't be the same person that you are now would you
1: no i wouldn't be the same uh, i'm i'm actually in some way very happy that i failed the first attempt because I, I i don't uh you know it's it's part of learning but i i don't uh enjoy that perspective that i had before um yeah. I, I i look at my it's like when we look back at what we we ourselves did years ago, we'll always like think, why, why did we do that? Yeah. Um, but I admit it was part of me thinking like that at the time, but, but it definitely gave me just some humility, um, mm-hmm. like to not think that I'm the, the master of the ocean um, <laughs> when, when I go out, just, even just for a normal session. Like I have that, you know, it's kind of like a monkey on my shoulder. Uh, I'm always questioning myself, like, is this, is this the right thing i'm doing um and and i think that's something that i'm happy i i got to to learn from this whole uh, ordeal and uh but but also the whole you know process like one thing was what i learned from it but the process itself about i set myself a goal that i wanted to to reach and like you know it was my ego essentially that fueled the whole project um yeah. you know something that i wanted to do and and i kept I had a hard time with, with that part actually, cause um, you know, I, I obviously tried to make the project about uh, you know, charity, for example, I tried to make the money the, the, to raise money through the project at first. And you know, essentially I, I was battling a lot of stuff about why am I doing this? And mm-hmm. I reached at the conclusion in the end that like, look, look, it's my own ego. It's my own desire to see if I, if good I good. C- can, uh, you know, succeed in this and that I have the skills needed. And it was very hard for me then, if that was my, if that was the way I was looking at it, I felt it was impossible to go out and ask people for help uh, to reach it. Like I felt it was easier if I tied it up in some project to raise money for, uh, you know, for very good causes as well. um, But, but, but what really probably, the main thing I took away from the project was seeing the people that I did ask for help, how much they actually uh, enjoyed being part of the journey. And, you know, like they, they found meaning in it as well. And that's maybe back to the conversation we had about crossing the river before, uh, you know, we all as humans, I think, want to feel that we're part of some adventure and that we're, you know, and I, and I think it was, it was me that was paddling, but essentially it was a group effort um, yeah. by all of us that that made it happen. So. That was the first part of the viking saga um for me and like i I definitely sense that i'm not done with those types of yeah of of, of projects
0: do you think that um i mean judging by the you know the the passion you're you're talking about it now i mean and maybe this is a really like arbitrary stupid question but is do you think Skagorak and stuff does does that mean more to you than than the kind of world title, that kind of thing or or are they just they're kind of two sides of the same coin, you know very yeah, can't really compare them.
1: Um, no, you, you can compare them, but it's not it's not you can't justify yeah. that one is over the other. They're, they're completely different. Yeah. but like they both require to win a world title or to cross a hard ocean requires a lot of commitment mm. and and you know desire to do it first of all where i think what i what i enjoyed about the ocean crossing was uh that it was a it was a it was like solving an equation that there was not a formula for you were making like, up as you go along kind of thing yeah yeah cuz like when you're chasing a world title like even though it was a new sport like world title and stand up paddling there was kind of you know like there is all this uh research about how to optimally ch- uh, uh, train your anaerobic and aerobic uh systems and like how to train essentially um whereas to cross an ocean on a stand-up paddleboard like it had been people have done it before me other places in the world but um there's so many unknown factors and that was really what i enjoyed trying to trying to to learn um and and that was you know i think I i see it as part of of challenging myself um and and yeah, I I probably w- if you if you ask me point blank I probably will answer that crossing Skagerrak was bigger than any world title. Yeah. But that's only because I I was so um immersed in it where uh yeah. it required more of me than say a world title, but 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 then again like standing winning a world title in front of your family and, and stuff uh, is priceless as well, so Yeah it's impossible to answer that question. Yeah.
0: No, well, I mean, you, you've, you just answered it really, very really well. So yeah, no, no, as I said, it, it might've been a, might've been a silly question, but it's just, it's just something interesting mm. to, to talk to you about. As I said, you're like, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is just to have conversations with, you know, people like yourself or just, mm. just interesting people who experience life or who experience a life that not many other people do experience, you know, and that's not me going, Oh, you're a pro athlete and, you know, mm. bearing down to you and all this stuff. But it is really interesting, you know. Not many people get to stand there and go, "I'm a world champion." Not many people yeah. get to, you know, do do the the certain things you do. So it's it's so interesting for me to kind of get an insight into, you know, what it is, and that's the whole idea as well. You know, as I said, the podcast about you know mental health and all this, and hopefully someone can take away something. Going, Oh, you know, maybe yeah. uh, taking a bit more determination, or or thinking actually, even if I did do this thing and I failed, actually, if I put a bit of time in and try it again, and you know. Yeah.
1: I think I, I mean that's one one thing that's kind of come up after the attempts is is the the topic of failure and I, I really one of the things I've really enjoyed post Skagerrak is uh, doing uh, some speaking events um, like for for schools and kids and young people um, yeah. that I've been invited invited out to tell about the journey and and, and how how the project happened but I, I really don't I don't really enjoy. I don't want to preach that this is the right thing to do or, or that everyone should do this, but, but the concept of failure is probably the most interesting thing to dig into. Um, and like, especially for, for kids, like it's, it's awesome to go out to the schools and talk about what, I mean, what is their, uh, relation to failing? And, you know, we can all as humans relate to it, like whether we're a student that, we're afraid of failing our exams so we can't get into the studies we want later. And, you know, failing a business presentation or failing, fuck, I don't know anything. Yeah. I mean, it, like it's it, relative,
0: it's, it's relative, isn't it? it it's it's, it's relates. relative. Yeah. If it's
1: a, if, whether it's an ocean or an exam yeah. or, you know, a relationship, essentially it's, it happens. And yeah. like, I, it doesn't feel great, but um, in the moment it's certainly shit. But, yeah. uh, but there's something learning that there's something I feel that we tend to forget a lot of times when we focus so much on, you know, that we want to succeed. We sometimes forget that failing is actually a very um, basic and essential part of, of, of succeeding. Yeah. You got it. Like from, from being pushed down, you learn how to stand back up. And hopefully the, the, I guess the way to sum it up for me, when I talk to like high school students is when we fail, we have a choice either to, you know take the failure pack it into a box lock it and throw away the key um that's one way to deal with a failure but one of the more interesting ways i think is is to actually dig into it and it's, that's the stuff it's one of the hardest things to do but that's where or i at least i feel i have found um i found continuous meaning
0: yeah i think i think you're right like you know it, it, it. It is the most important that you essentially you can't succeed without failing you know like the, go, one, one doesn't come without the other no, you know no, they
1: go hand in hand
0: exactly um and and like you said we're we're all born to to fail you know i failed my driving test two or three times before i passed <laughs> you know it's it, it's the way it is you know but it, there's there's all that stuff and and we're all meant to do it and i think it's it's people knowing that it's all right to do it as well yeah you know people put a lot of focus on you've got to succeed and it's all about succeeding and, and and doing this stuff. And to a certain extent, yeah, it is ultimately, you know, you want to do well, but if you think you're just going to go through life, like, yeah, this, this worked and then this worked and then this worked. I mean, I guess, like you said, that's probably what was happening up until your in your life, yeah. up until that first attempt of like, this is fine, yeah. this is fine. This is fine. And, and that led to you, you know, being given a, being served a shit sandwich, as we say,
1: it you know, is, it is
0: um it's 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 a really yeah it's a really difficult thing i think it's it's a really important message um to to kind of put out there as well
1: yeah yeah i mean it's 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 interesting to i mean dig, dig into it and one one can come to all kinds of conclusions but uh but it's definitely um it's not easy to to fail but um hopefully we learn something from it at least absolutely so what's the, I mean, can you, can
0: you give us a little, little sneak peek? Obviously I saw you, you've recently done the, you've uh, foiled a hundred kilometers in, in a day or something like that, but mm-hmm. have you got any, have you got any grand plans to, I mean, obviously, I guess COVID may have, may have slowed, slowed things down, but have you got any grand plans to do, uh do anything else in the future?
1: Um, yes, absolutely. Um, I've really, I mean, Full disclosure, like I've, uh, the last year with COVID, um, not that it was, I mean, it's not as an athlete, it's not nice to see all your, essentially your livelihood with events and competitions like shut down. Um, but I was actually, it was actually, a bit, it's been a very pleasant year for me because yeah. I was kind of burnt out on competition. The last, after the 2019 world title that I won, um, I was just completely smashed. Um, so I, I've really enjoyed resetting and charging batteries and, you know, refinding some motivation. Yeah. And I think like, I'm, I'm definitely excited to do more um, of my own projects of my own, like, you know, challenges uh, against, you know, mother nature um, where I, I still do enjoy competing, but I also enjoy stuff outside of the competition uh, arena um, i'm i've kind of uh and i guess it's not a secret anymore but I, I i am stepping in the footsteps of the vikings um so i'm launching this uh saga where um, my goal is to, to you know step by step not all at once but try to follow down the path of where the vikings went uh, and you know they went all kinds of places they they yeah. went across the north sea they went east uh, they went north um so like I'm I'm not like specific on it yet but uh I can kind of leave it there that I have a crossing planned this spring uh cool. where I'm I'm at, I'm going to attempt to uh, foil as the first person ever from Denmark to Sweden uh nice. downwind so that's what I'm training for right now Yeah, um, to get the right uh, weather and ocean conditions to do it in April sometime Yeah um and that's you know just another you know challenge and something that strikes me as interesting uh to see if if i can do this um and that's kind of you know i'll be back competing later this year hopefully but um yeah i tried to kind of look at with coronavirus now i instead of looking at the things that are outside of my control i'd rather try to focus on the ones that still somewhat remain uh, in your control in my control yeah
0: yeah, I think, I mean, that. that's a mindset or that's a, that's something I talk about uh, all the time on the podcast. Anyone listening will be bored of me talking about it. But like currently, really? currently, especially like there is no point in focusing on things you can't control, whether it's trying to book a trip or looking at the news, even, you know, like you're not going to find anything good there at the moment, just don't do it. You know, if you're yeah. already feeling anxious about it, things like that, just focusing on what you can control and trying to keep that, keep your circle small, if you know what I mean, you know, mm. and, and just focusing on what you can do immediately um, is, is a really good way to um, to do it. That, that's interesting what you said though. I mean, so many people I've spoken to have said the same thing as you have said actually the last year, you know, even though, you know, you may have lost earnings or whatever, but they're like, it's actually been a really nice year for me, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's interesting, like how we're all collectively faced with, you know, our, our normal, most people's you know normal habits have completely been turned you know upside down and what where we normally like to vacation is no longer an option. Um, yeah so we, so we have to find alternatives and I, I really enjoy like listening uh, to people and and you know seeing people that have like uh, all of a sudden come up with new ideas of like yeah. you know like you know new types of businesses have come up and, you know, people have tried new stuff and, you know, gone out of their old ways. So I mean, it's, it's a crisis, but from, from change comes new, new opportunities as well. And, and yeah. I, I don't, yeah. So what, what it's, it's a tough time, but it's also an exciting time uh, to do other things, but, yeah. but I, I have a feeling we should be, or at least I hope we'll be back to um no actually I don't want to say that. I don't want to say we're going back to normal again because <laughs> yeah.
0: ra-
1: I'd rather look at it as we're going back to a new normal where yeah. you know we hopefully learn from something uh during this pandemic.
0: Yeah, I like I like I like to think that certain things will stay the way they have been for the last year and then hopefully we've just a lot more freedom if you know what I yeah.
1: mean. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, cool. Wow. I mean Casper, thank you so much mate. I think there's yeah, there's I'm sure there's plenty in there for uh for everyone to listen. Um Couple of quick questions, quick fire questions before we finish up. Um, obviously, uh, I like to drink a couple of beers while I while I record this. Um, are you as a as a Viking? I assume you. Well, you said already you like like a few beers. Is, is there a is there a specific beer that you you like to drink? I mean, give me a give me a couple of recommendations for when I come over to Denmark.
1: Obviously, oh, when you come over to Denmark, we have uh, we're going to have you covered. Um, I live in a part of Denmark where our local brew house is. Uh, for three years in a row, it's been the premier. What do you call it? Award-winning beer, beer house. Oh, really? in really? Denmark. Um, so we have a we have a local. It's called the Tü Pilsner. It's a good Pilsner. Yeah. Um, and we have uh, a ritual every time we do a, a downwind paddling across the local fjord. Uh, we have uh, it's it's a porter also by Tistel um, Boykus. It's it's heavy, man. It's heavy, but it's it's a ritual every time you paddle across you got a drink uh, or at least share. <laughs> <order>.
0: <laughs> nice. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard, I've heard very good things. As I said, my, my girlfriend's half, well, my girlfriend's half Danish. So her, yeah, her mom's, um Danish and, and all the family and stuff. And they all live between, they live in Denmark and, and Norway. And I, I do really want to get over there as well. Cause there's some amazing conditions for me as a windsurfer, you know, like Vida Sand, mm. Klipmoller, all this, you know, I really want to go and I really
1: like to go and sail there one day as well. You, you um, should. It's uh, it's a pretty, you know, for me, it, I don't know. I look at it as the backyard, but I, but it, it's a really fun, uh, there's a lot of adventures to be had. Yeah. Uh, whether whether you're windsurfing or kiting or paddling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I grew up in the highlands of Scotland and my girlfriend who she's been up there to visit, you know, my family and things like that. And she says up there, it looks really similar to Denmark. She said it's, it's a really, you know, all the, you know, the, I don't know the, the trees and the, the beach, the way it all looks it, Oh, I think it, well, if you, if you draw a line across from Denmark, it goes straight to the highlands of Scotland. So it, yeah. Yeah. It makes the same sense. Latitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's quite interesting. So I'd, I'd quite, quite like to, um to get over there. I do. I do feel a little bit like a Viking
1: myself, Casper, if I'm honest. Well, well, we, we, well, well I, I guess you, but. well, we, we, we did. The Vikings did go out your way, but um. Yeah, it's uh, I think all of us that live on these latitudes, um, you know, northern Europe, we're we're exposed to the same shitty rough weather. Um, (laughs) So uh, I think it's in all of our DNA.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. My 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 dad was born in Orkney as well. He's my my
1: my grandma. That's that's hardcore out there.
0: Yeah my my grand
1: my grandfather was the
0: only well at the time he was the only solicitor on the island for many years so my dad grew up on or- on Orkney so it's pretty cool so yeah i feel i feel a bit like a viking sometimes but um but yeah um next question where is where well i mean uh, maybe we've just answered it but where's your happy place obviously covid we're kind of stuck where we are but if you click your fingers right now
1: where where are you i'm in my living room yes. this is my happy place <laughs> that's awesome that's what i like yeah, out here and definitely i mean definitely on the water the water is where i can leave everything behind so either yeah. my couch or in the waves
0: yeah nice like that um
1: and then i, I don't know maybe maybe
0: this doesn't apply to you because you you spend a lot of time on the water but are you uh are you filming a tv man what's what's your lockdown viewing been? are you what, what have you been watching what's good any um, recommendations or do you, do you not really do you not really watch much
1: I, I binge watch so much, too oh, uh, so many series. Um, but uh, I, my, my go to during most of lockdown has actually been playing World of Warcraft. On, like, oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, if, if I if I hadn't if I had not gone uh, professional paddler, I would have gone professional gamer. Oh, really? But Potential, potentially, <laughs> I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, gaming, and then I've watched a lot of. Um, I mean, obviously, I love. I'm a huge formula one fan. Uh, So, so the drive to survive series uh, that just came out, like I binge watched all 10 episodes uh, in one day uh, last Sunday. So um, yeah, no, I, I really enjoy, you know, sports documentaries and I'm into, I'm into uh, Mad Men right now. Oh, that's so, um,
0: I watched that a couple of years holy ago. Holy
1: shit, man. That's so interesting yeah. uh, about, you know, the pit, how would the, the description of the time. And, oh, it's crazy. Um, the office mentality. It, it's really interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mad Men. Mad Men's one of the, it's kind of one of those shows, isn't it? Everyone recommends it, don't they? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's it. It's one of those, like, it's in every top 10 list everywhere, isn't it? Like It's, it,
1: it's got to be a classic
0: yeah yeah that's exactly what it is is a classic
1: that's interesting i didn't realize you're a you're a gamer as well uh,
0: yeah that's uh it's it's funny isn't it you you kind of have these like, assumptions about people don't you and especially you know if you're a surfer and all this stuff they never assume yeah you
1: know well well i i you know as, as a kid in denmark the winters are super uh long and dark so I, you know, we were inside and yeah you know it's just it's fun i i, I definitely yeah. enjoy enjoy the you know the social part of gaming as well. And yeah, uh, that's it's got something to it.
0: Well it's escapism. It's perfect escapism, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um where where can we find you?
0: Where can listeners find you on on uh, social media or, or anywhere, Casper?
1: Well uh follow my adventures over on I'm mostly active on Instagram over at CJ underscore Steinfath. Yep. Um or on YouTube. Kasper Steinfat. Um, I'm posting more and more on YouTube, uh, doing some vlogs and, you know, just basic fun on the water, uh, stuff, but, uh, yeah, just give me a follow over there and, uh, join, join the adventure. Never know, never quite know what's going to happen, but that's part of it.
0: Yeah. That's part of the fun. Cool. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can find me on Instagram as well at the after hours lounge. Um, and if you go to the link in my bio, if you want to, you can buy me a beer. As I say, all this talking is thirsty work. <laughs> um, and it helps, helps me uh, support the podcast and keep it all going. But if not, even just you listening is perfect, you lovely people. Um, so, yeah, guys, thank you very much. Thank you, Casper. And we will see you for the next one.